So this morning I want to spend some time in the epistle that was appointed for today. Um, if you have your Bible, you can follow along in whatever version you're comfortable with. If you don't have your Bible, uh, thanks to Melody's diligence, we do have 1 Corinthians 15 verses 35 through 38 and 42 through 50 printed in your bulletin insert. and You can follow along with that one just as well. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version, and Paul is uh, writing this letter to the church in Corinth, and he's talking about some issues that uh, I think all churches, including this one, have in common. He's talking about questions that are raised whenever we're confronted with our mortal existence, whenever we're confronted with this... uh, mortality that we're experiencing in this life and so he writes someone will ask how are the dead raised with what kind of body do they come fool Paul says what you sow does not come to life unless it dies and as for what you sow you do not sow the body that is to be but a bare seed perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. Not all flesh is alike, but there is one flesh for human beings, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are both heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one thing, and that of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. Indeed, star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a physical body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the physical, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And is and as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. What I am saying, brothers and sisters, Paul says, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Well, there's a lot in there that we need to unpack, I think. And where I want to start is just the reality that we have been dealing with, even here in our own little congregation in Shepherd, we've been dealing with our own human 
mortality quite a bit lately. Would you agree? We've been surrounded by reminders that this human condition in which we exist does not last but for a very short time in the grand scheme of things. Even here in our own congregation, we have been reminded recently of that part of our earthly existence. Have we not? There are empty spots in the pew where once sat someone that we know. It's the reality of the human condition. And I think in this environment, this holy place that we come to every Sunday, this is the perfect place to talk about that openly. And so... As a result, the subject of death has come up in quiet conversation among our members. And we have conversations because we need to have conversations to comfort us and to help us understand. Now, as I mentioned, I I am downtown quite frequently at the Big Methodist Hospital. And while I'm there, it's not uncommon for me to provide this kind of spiritual and emotional support to people and families who are dealing with death and all the questions that go with it. And just this past Friday night into early Saturday morning, I I ministered to at least a half a dozen patients, dying patients, And I prayed with and I counseled as many grieving families, each family member with questions about what happens now. What do we do now? What does this mean for us? I carry this this pager. I brought it in here just for effect because whenever someone has questions, whenever someone's experiencing a, a life and death situation, this is what I hear. That sound tells me that someone has questions. I know that's an oversimplification, but that's what that sound means to me. That is an opportunity for me to go and minister to people who have questions. It's another person, yet another family that's struggling with questions of life and death. Now, I don't carry one of those for the questions that my congregation has. We're much closer than that. I, I, I know you, and you know me, and you know that we can have open dialogue about this thing at any moment that you desire. All you have to do is let me know. But the fact remains is that people are asking questions about this process of life and death and what comes next. And some people that I meet believe in a hereafter, and some people, well, they're still not convinced. And so, as we look at Paul's writing today to the church in Corinth, we see that we're not the only ones over this vast expanse of time that have questions about this human existence and what comes after it. It's only natural that we want to know. 
And so Paul writes, he says, you know, there are skeptics out there and they are sure to ask questions like, show me how resurrection works. Give me a diagram. Draw me a picture. What does a resurrection body look and feel like? And so Paul says, you know what, if you look at that question closely enough, it really is absurd to even ask it. How can we know? Because there are no diagrams for this kind of thing. He says, the best I can do is talk about gardening and what happens when I plant a seed. I plant this dead seed. I put it in the ground. Maybe I water it. Maybe I let nature water it. But when I do that, eventually, by the miracle of creation, up from the ground comes a plant. And he says, you know what? The the seed I put in the ground and the plant that comes up, they don't look anything alike. There's no visual likeness between the seed and the plant. And so you could never guess what a tomato would look like by looking at its seed if you didn't already know what a tomato looked like. You'd have no idea. How can you imagine that this little seed would produce this big, red, juicy fruit? Some people say it's a vegetable. How would you know? What we plant in the soil and what grows out of it don't look anything alike. And so the dead body that we bury in the ground and the resurrection body that comes from it are going to be dramatically different. Now, all we have to do is look around at all the variety of bodies that are running around out there. Just like there are different kinds of seeds, there are different kinds of bodies. There's humans, there's animals, there's birds, there's fish. And each one of them is unique and there's no precedent for each one of them. And so you get this hint at the diversity of resurrection glory by looking at the diversity of the bodies that you can see. Not just here on earth, Paul says, but just look to the sky. You have the sun, you have the moon and the stars and all of these varieties of beauty and all of these different varieties of brightness they're not the same there's variety and we're looking only at these pre-resurrection seeds so who could possibly imagine what the resurrection plant is going to look like and so Paul says this image of planting a dead seed and raising this live plant that's the best I can do in trying to explain what happens. It's the best I can do in in approaching the mystery of the resurrection body. And then he says, if you only, if only, if you keep in mind that when we're raised, we're raised for good, we're alive forever. The body that's planted is not really beautiful but when it's raised it's glorious it's put in the ground weak but it comes up powerful the seed that's sown is natural the seed that's grown is supernatural it's the same seed the same body but what a difference there is from when it goes down in its physical mortality we call death to when it's raised up in spiritual immortality It's not the same. 
it's a different substance from what was put into the ground. And so finally, Paul says, if we just follow the sequence that's been given to us in Scripture, the first Adam received life, the last Adam, Jesus, is a life-giving spirit. Right? So physical life is physical first, and then spiritual. It's, we, we get this foundation that's shaped from the earth, and then the final product after it's put into the ground and resurrected is complete, and it comes from something heavenly. The first man was made out of the earth, and people since then are also earthly. But the second man was made out of heaven, and because of him, now people can be heavenly. In the same way that we've worked from our earthly origin, now we have to embrace our heavenly destination. And Paul concludes with saying, I need to emphasize that our natural earthly lives don't in themselves lead us by their very nature into the kingdom of God. The very nature is to die, so how could we naturally end up in the kingdom of life? So if our nature is as as mortal human beings to die, how do we get to eternal life? What is the mechanism that transformed the seed, the body that we put in the ground, to the glorious body that lives forever with Christ? Well, the mechanism the mechanism is Jesus the mystery is what Jesus does and did because this is our present reality this human condition in which we live we know that we all have this appointment with our own mortality Scripture says in Hebrews 9, it is appointed for us once to die. If that's the case, how do we end up in the kingdom of life eternal? And the answer is that we end up in eternal life by being in relationship with Jesus Christ before the end of this physical life. Scripture teaches us that to be absent from the body is to be with Christ. Absent from the body, with Christ. Why? Well, it's entirely logical. The first stop that we make after passing is this meeting with Jesus. See, the rest of the scripture in Hebrews 9, it is appointed unto us once to die, is, but after this, the judgment. So, Jesus is the judge, and he alone determines where we spend eternity. If we know him, when we get to that divine appointment with him, And if when we meet him, he knows us also, then we are welcomed into the kingdom of life. So what's the point, Pastor? What do I take away from this? It's it's simply this. Decide here and now, if you're on the fence, to follow Jesus. Decide before the natural course of this human condition plays out to its inevitable end for you and you run out of time. 
decide to follow Christ. If you do, then you have a share in His resurrection. If you do, the kingdom of life is yours. Now, I I pray that all of you have weighed your choices carefully, wisely, and that before all is said and done, you have decided to follow Jesus. That's my prayer for not only this congregation, but for this community that we serve as ambassadors for Christ. That as many as we can share this this seed of the gospel... (coughs) to plant that seed in as many people as possible so that before they meet Jesus, they have a relationship with Him already so that that meeting is something to the effect of well done, good and faithful servant instead of, I never knew you. Go away from me. So if you decide for Jesus, then though you may have been sown in weakness, you will be raised in power. And though you may have been sown in dishonor, whatever it is in your past that may make you think that, through Jesus you will be raised in glory. It's really that simple. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.